With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before the days of internet and in YouTube, we was after booing Bobby Heenan and Rick Rude. And Jake would be the break the way he's playing with snakes. Enthusiast of highest taste was always trading some tapes. Dusty said it cold to let me know about hard times. And Randy be the cream and he was reaching for new highs. Flair was always going and Andre was so imposing. Doesn't matter if nobody can seem to beat Hulk Hogan. Turnbuckles and territories. We be stuck to screens in the 1980s. And we can't feed them and made them believe. I need turnbuckles and territories. Turnbuckles and territories. Welcome back to Turnbuckles and Territories, the Gen X podcast looking at the 70s and 80s era of professional wrestling. I am George, and with me as always is Barry. How you doing, Barry? Baby, you know I'm here, and you know I'm ready for this. I had to gear up a little bit. So <laughs> I love it when you call me baby. <laughs> And as you can tell in the background, laughing hysterically is Captain Kiwi Aaron. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm here. Excited. Let's do this. <laughs> I always love it. Captain Kiwi Aaron, he always says, I am here. And it's like, <laughs> it sounds defeated like he doesn't really want to be here. But, but he I says it in a I'm way here. that sounds like he nah, does like being here. It's a declaration. I am here. I am Kiwi. Hear me roar. <laughs> Kiwi is here. There we go. There Kiwi we go. Kiwi has left the building. Yeah. <laughs> We need to get you a robe. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we need to get you a robe. In today's episode, the professional wrestling world can be hard on the men and women who create the stories we know and love. No one family may have been more influential while at the same time enduring more tragedy than the Von Erics. Join us as we explore the dark history of one of wrestling's first families. Guys, I know this is going to be a tough subject to get yeah. through. Uh, Captain Kiwi has talked several times in the Discord channel about how you even had a hard time just writing the factoids in this article and i know this was right. the one you wanted us to do this yes. season yeah. um it's your I, fault we blame you on this <laughs> one that's what it is you blame him for the von eric curse he didn't, i don't blame him for the von eric curse i blame him for us talking about the von eric curse <laughs> but i mean i think you're right though there there are certain storylines in professional wrestling that can bring tears to the eye and what this family went through yeah. um, and it's current family members are still dealing with decades later it's it's absolutely a tragedy they call it the von eric curse it's been its name for decades but it's at its core it's a tragedy right it is i mean you know, there's a lot of tragedies in uh, professional wrestling so a lot of uh influential families too you know you got the hearts you got the flares but you know the roads family yeah but there's a lot of a lot of tragedies too i mean owen hart Chris Benoit. Hell, even Vince Russo is kind of a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's not a turn I expected you to go wow. down, but I think you're right. <laughs> um, but no, the, the Von Erichs on a more serious note, um, they are and were one of the original territory managing owning families. Barry, yeah. we've talked about that, how, you know, uh, maybe an individual father figure guy will 
be in charge of a territory and he'll make himself the champion and all the accolades and everything. The Von Erichs were not immune to that. No, they certainly no. promoted themselves as the key wrestling professionals of their organization. And we're going to get into their history in the next segment. George, are you trying to say that there's nepotism in wrestling? <laughs> no. What? Nah, I mean, not at all. Nah. <laughs> I'm just saying they are singular in their tragic loss in a, oh, a, a very short right. amount of time and in very similar fashions in some of those losses. And it's almost unbelievable. Some of the things that have happened to them, you would expect to see that in the worst tragedy film in Hollywood. It's almost mythic. Yeah. You know, it almost takes it. It's strange when you say the Von Erich curse, more people know about the Von Erich curse than they know about the Von Erichs. Right. Yeah. So, well, we're going to find out a lot about the Von Erichs in our next segment, where we talk about how they got started in their history and who's a part of the family right after this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey kids, look at this. Just for you, hot off the presses, the official Von Erich Family Wrestling Championship game. Now you have a chance to prove you have what it takes to be a world-class champion. A few quick chops, headbutts, atomic drops, then you take your opponent down for the pin. But you can only win this game by playing TV Pal. And you gotta be a member of the Good Time Gang to play. So keep watching TV39 for sign-up information in one, two, three, you win. We've said the phrase Von Erichs multiple times already in this podcast. And Barry, to your point, you know, people know more of the curse than maybe they do the Von Erichs themselves. So the first question probably to ask in this podcast is really who were the Von Erichs? Aaron, I'm going to turn it over to you since this was kind of your idea to do this subject. Who were the Von Erichs? Well, the uh, the Von Erichs, they were a, uh, like we said before, an influential uh, family of wrestlers, uh, starting with uh, with Fritz. Fritz Von Erich is actually, his real name was Jack Atkinson. So Von okay. Erich wasn't their last name? No. Wow. I didn't know that. That was a, uh, a gimmick name that they used. Uh, Fritz had chose Fritz Von Erich uh, because it sounded kind of like an evil German yeah, <laughs> he's not so, wrong. Uh, it was a character <laughs> stage name that professional right. wrestlers they carry those stage names as much as actors used to in the '50s, '60s, and '70s, right? Yeah. Right. Imagine a professional wrestler, just kind of a generic, typical professional wrestler. That's the Von Erichs kind of fit that image. Okay, you know, clean cut, long hair, built. You know, the, in the. Uh, Speedo tights. And they all looked alike, if I remember correctly. Right. I mean, it was. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're the ones that, like, somebody goes, which one is that? And it's not a racist comment at all. It's not like they all look alike. <laughs> it's not that kind of a thing. No. They really did. No, it's Their family resemblances were uncanny, uh, even though. They were brothers. Yeah, well, not just brothers. And I want you to tell us about them, but they had different physical statures, to be yeah. sure. Yeah, right. There I mean, was right. the skinny one. There was the muscular one. There, there was, was the, the athletic one. one. There was, yeah, they were kind but of all over the place. It was almost like their faces were so distinctive <laughs> that at times on those grainy 14 inch black and white televisions that we were watching them on, they were hard to tell apart. 
that Von Eric knows. There's no right. doubting that Von Eric knows. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. It was just the uh, the quality of the uh, of the taping. That's why they all looked. Well, so y- we mentioned sons. We know Fritz is the father. Aaron, who are the sons? His first son was Jack Jr., uh, and we'll get into that later. Uh, but he had the the Golden Warrior, uh, Kevin Von Eric. That was his yell- given birth name, the Golden Warrior. <laughs> that was on his birth certificate. Did well, he play basketball? Oh, wait. No, that's the Golden State Warrior. Sorry. <laughs> uh, there's also uh, David, who was known as the Yellow Rose of Texas. I love these nicknames. <laughs> well, you can tell that they were born out of an era of grand storytelling, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody oh, yeah. had to have that name. We had uh, Kerry Von Erich. Uh, he was the modern day warrior and later on was known as the Texas Tornado. Well, yes. boy, they got real original <laughs> real quick. Golden Warrior, modern day warrior. Next time, it's the chess warrior. <laughs> I give full props on Kerry. He had hands down one of my favorite intro songs of all time. The man came in to rush, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, then there was Mike, who was known as the inspirational warrior. <laughs> The and then there was inspirational Chris. warrior. The inspirational warrior. And then there it was sounds Chris. like he's a public speaker. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. Now, you said Kerry was the modern day warrior, right? But yeah. I knew him by a different nickname. Which one? I knew him by the Texas Tornado. Yeah, he had two. Right. Okay. All right. So that's, I, was, I didn't hear you mention it, but the Texas Tornado is the one I knew him most because he used that when he came over to Georgia the, Championship WCW. Yeah, right. He also used that in uh, WWF yes. uh, for a short yeah. time. And can I just say, I love it. You have the Golden Warrior, the Yellow Rose of Texas, the Modern Day Warrior, the Texas Tornado, Inspirational Warrior, and Chris. And Chris. <laughs> are Mike and Chris direct sons of Fritz or are they grandchildren? They're sons. Oh, okay. All right. Because yeah. he, I always get confused in that family because, like we said a minute ago, God forbid they all looked exactly the same. Yeah. I don't right. know if their mothers all had the same genetic predispositions for half of the gene pool of that family, but good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Well, and they've also got like grandchildren that are wrestling now too. I mean, there's a ton oh, yeah. of them. That That's are out why there. I ask because yeah. I can't keep track of all these yeah. fuckers. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're everywhere. There's three that, that I can think of right offhand. So you've talked about the main wrestling part of the family, the the Von Erich family or the Adkinson family, um, <laughs> as they were legally just, known. Just call them the Von Erichs. It's no okay, whatever. Adkinson <laughs> they, is nowhere near as cool. Just go with the Von Erichs. <laughs> they had a ton of people in the family. But but the biggest part of their wrestling thing was not just that, you know, Fritz was this legendary grappler and his sons followed in his footsteps, but they owned and operated world-class championship wrestling out of Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Correct. And I think, you know, we're going to, we talked about it, you know, when we were prepping for this season, Barry, you talked about, you know, we should do one about the, the legendary places that wrestling oh, took God. place. Yeah. The sportatorium. <laughs> the, sportatorium. <laughs> the sportatorium in Dallas, Texas. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you don't get more iconic than that place. I mean, just look at the people that came through there. It's crazy. Aaron, I know you and I were talking off air a little bit about this. Uh, remind me some of the people that came through there. I know like Rick Rude came through there and I think Bruiser Brody. Bruiser Brody, uh, Gary Hart, mm. uh, and Shot Michaels was even there uh, Seriously? Kind of briefly. Right. Uh, for a couple months. Yeah. Gary Hart was a big part of WCCW for yes. a long time. Um, but I think it's interesting to note. So Fritz not only owned the territory, mm-hmm. he also owned 
the stadium, the sportatorium itself. And I have uh, talked with people who were behind the scenes producers on the stars TV show called heels, which is a look at modern day territory system, trying to revive that. And it had Stephen Amell as the star Mm -hmm. of it. And that family, they owned their sportatorium, so to speak there in that TV show. It Mm -hmm. was based off of the Von Eric storyline of how they owned their own place because not many of these people owned their own places that they operated out of. Yeah, they generally right. rented them, and it was usually owned by the production company or the TV studio. Right. It's funny. These guys almost sound like the Texas version of the the Hart family, you know, with with uh, a Stampede Wrestling up there. You know, here you had world cha- world class championships. So mm-hmm. family driven. All of the brothers got involved in it. You know, so there's a lot of similarities there. Even the Hearts though didn't own all the buildings. No. Right. No. 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 <laughs> they, so they, that, they own the that dungeon, was a unique but that's about thing it. to Von Erichs, I think, <laughs> because the Von Erichs owning their place of work yeah. as well as being the main stars of their organization. It's one of the things that made it maybe a little bit easier to be successful. They controlled all the pieces. I oh, could see that completely. I could definitely see that. Definitely. I mean, you know, and, and I actually watched uh, heels and I, I never drew the, 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 the similarity mm-hmm. that that was from the Von Erics. It makes sense now that you say it. Well, you know, it's hard to associate a Georgia championship wrestling with a Texas organization, <laughs> but I get why um, they did that because they're trying in that series to really bring you back to the era that we are talking yeah. about in this podcast series that we know and love the seventies, eighties territory system of wrestling. Oh, yeah. Funny. You should, uh, you should bring up Georgia wrestling because uh, the Von Erics actually had a feud with the fabulous Freebirds. Yes. From Georgia. It was kind of like an invasion angle kind of, kind of thing to use a more modern wrestling term. You know, it's the only feud that I could think of. And I saw it here on the card and it made me realize it's the only one that I can think of that was a legitimate six, man feud. Yep. Right. Like you had four man feuds here and there, but they were always like one side was the real four man group. And the other side was made up of two guys from guys. this group. Yeah. yeah two guys yeah. from here, one guy from there. One. Guy. It was never a cohesive group on both sides. This was the first multi, like more than two people feud where both groups were cohesive units before they feuded. Well, right. and actually, if I'm not mistaken, this is also where you first really started the, the hearing the term, the free bird rule, because when the free birds started in with the Von Erics, because it was three on three, there was really not that much of a, a variance, but when they were defending titles or whatever, they were only defending it with two people. Right. And if I'm right for the tag team titles. Right. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, um, the Von Erics did actually win the tag titles and defended it as a free bird rule. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought I remembered that, that they were trade off with whoever, whatever brother was around. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, get in the ring. <laughs> there was less and less as time went on, but yeah. Well, okay, Mr. Downer, let's just bring us all back to earth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, you're right, though. That is the focus of this podcast, and we definitely need to get to the curse. But before we do, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about the accomplishments of the family. Oh they God, owned their own place. They promoted <laughs> their own organization. They had themselves as the preeminent good guy baby faces of the organization, but they also accomplished quite a bit outside of their territory. And Aaron has done a ton of research and has educated Barry and myself. We're going to get into his brilliant, excellent research right after the break. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. For the World Tag Team titles, Jeff Jarrett and Matt Bourne put the belts up against Cactus Jack Manson and Corporal Sheik Braddock. Percy Pringle the third against Tojo Yamamoto in a grudge match where anything goes. Mr. Texas against Jimmy Jack Punk, The Mask versus The Mask. Billy Travis here, the dog of war and more. Tickets on sale all day Friday at the Sportatorium. Don't miss this card of a lifetime, the showdown of a lifetime. This Friday, Sportatorium, Eric Embry against P.Y. Chew High. See how wrestling comes out. For just a little while, while we're still being positive about the Von Ericks <laughs> in this podcast before Aaron takes us into our dark descent into hell in the next segment, I just want to ask both of you, what is your favorite memory of the Von Ericks? Barry, I'm going to start with you. Oh, well, it's got to be Carrie. I mean, Carrie Von Erich, as much as I loved the whole stuff with the Freebirds and, you know, the way that they they played out that rivalry, Carrie Von Erich, to me, I got really introduced to them once they went into WWE and just watching him come in as the Texas Tornado and just lighten it up and winning the Intercontinental Championship. This guy was the total package. I mean, he was chiseled. He had, okay, well, maybe not the total package. He still had the Von Erich nose. I was going to say the total package was Lex Luger, dude. What you doing? He looked like Luger. He was he built did. like Luger, you know? And he, I mean, the the fact that he could do ring work, he could do rope work, he could come off the top, he could, you know, do power moves. It was just so impressive to watch this guy in the ring. And he was so much fun. And uh, I'll, I'll throw it to both of you on this one, because I'm kind of curious. I know you've both watched Von Eric matches. Have you ever seen anyone smiling and grinning so much during a match than any of the Von Eric family? Absolutely not. Maybe Coco beware. Okay. Maybe. Coco, okay. Yeah. I'll give you Coco, but you know, but that was, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, yeah, they loved what they did. They and did that's, yeah. the, that's the thing that, you know, just amazed me about it. And I think that's part of what just kind of got me enraptured in it. Aaron, what about you? Do you have any favorite memories of the Von Erics that are outside of the descent into hell? You're going to take us into <laughs> in the next segment. I know I keep saying it, but I know it's going well, yes, might as well be ready for it. The very first match I saw with the Texas tornado uh, kind of stands out. It was, he was wrestling against a jobber, you know, back in the you know, early nineties where, you know, enhancement talent stuff. And I specifically remember his opponent fell out of the ring. It was oh. thrown out of the ring or you right. know, left the ring somehow. The referee started doing the count out and, you know, he stopped the ref. He's like, don't, don't count him out. Let him get back in the ring. Oh, and that's, that's something yeah. that, that really he stood out. And I was like, honorable role. Yeah. Right. It, it stood out. And I was like, wow, you know, this, I can get behind this guy. Unfortunately, it wasn't too much longer and yeah. he was gone. Yeah. But okay, Jesus Christ. He can't go two minutes <laughs> without wanting to get depressed. Good Lord. It's the Von Erics, man. What do you want? You know? It's kind of like Titanic. You know how it's going to end. All right. <laughs> I have to say, my favorite memory of the Von Erics has to be the Freebird feud. I know oh, we talked about it in so the last good. segment, oh, yeah. but so good. You talk about the free birds, you know, Michael Hayes <laughs> up against <laughs> the Von Erics. Now, 
arguably that's not a mic contest at all. Michael Hayes wins that contest. Oh, hands down. Every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But the in-ring matches that those six individuals put together. I mean, even every now and then you had Fritz down at the ringside doing the, you know, the, I'm going to be the manager and protect my sons, which, you you know, the poor man was frail as shit at that point. Oh, yeah. But the matches that those six people put together, some of the best, if not the best six-man tag matches in history. Oh, hands down. Tag matches in general, you're going to get me on the freight train of like Rock and Roll Express being one of the greatest to put together a tag team match. Individuals, you're going to have a hard time convincing me Ric Flair or Ricky Steamboat are not the greatest singles match wrestlers of all time. Absolutely. But Six Man, which is arguably a smaller niche in the professional wrestling world, there's only one gold standard, and it's the Freebirds versus the Von Erics. Absolutely. Hands down. When you've got a family, you know, who knows you better than your family? So who knows how you can perform the ring better than your family? Absolutely. They were so good at that. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about some other stuff on this, but while we were off air, I was just doing a quick search and trying to find stuff on the Von Erics. Listeners, if you want to give yourself a little present, do a search for the Von Erics Pizza Inn commercial. Oh, Jesus. It is one of the funniest (laughs) things I have ever seen in my entire life. They all look exactly the same. (laughs) I saw that like when I was doing some, just some YouTube surfing like four years ago. Yeah. I remember coming across exactly what you're talking about. Because it was was Carrie, Kevin, and Mike, wasn't it? Yep. Oh. Well, so- I mean, arguably, you don't know. It exactly. could have been Chris. <laughs> it could have been Fritz, for all I know. Jesus Chris. Christ, they all look the same. <laughs> I missed that one. When you get off air, you have to look that up because it's so worth it. We we may even have to include that link somewhere in the notes somewhere. (laughs) Well, we've got to get to the curse. I hate to say it, but we do have to get there. But Uh, before we do, Aaron, just real quickly, run us through. This whole segment is supposed to be about their accomplishments, aside from pizza commercials, which was an amazing (laughs) accomplishment. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, they were in a pizza commercial with more accomplishments (laughs) than you need. Pizza in, no less. There you go. My favorite of all the pizza joints. There you go. there's, there's honestly, there's way too many accomplishments to uh, okay. keep this in in an hour. But they won some titles Absolutely. outside of their group, even right. Yeah, they won AWA titles, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling titles. You know, NWA, of course. You know the. WCCW, WWF. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, Fritz was, I, th- I think he was a 13-time uh, United States heavyweight champion in wow. NWA, I believe. Fritz was a 13-time U.S. 13 champion? That's got to be the record. It was for a long, long time. I don't who, know. Until who else? No, no. U.S. champion? Oh, U.S. That's different champion. than world yeah. champion. That's a good point. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, that's crazy. I don't know anybody who held the U.S. title more than six times. I'm trying to think. Right. Uh, yeah, I, that that's, that's a good point, George. I cannot think off the top of my head anybody that's had it more than that. And the U.S. championship at that time was almost as important as the world championship yeah, because right. you're talking about Fritz. That's definitely in the heart of the territory system. Right. Wow. Well, Fritz brought the iron claw wherever he went. So, oh, I mean, yeah. it's- oh the iron claw. <laughs> yes. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> yes. Let's just talk yes. about the iron claw. <laughs> <laughs> it was Fritz and what, Baron Von Raschke? Yes. Those are really the only two legitimate iron claws. Like Mick Foley, he said they tried to get him to do the iron claw as part of his mankind. And he said, no, I can't do it as good as Fritz. I'll just stick my fingers in their mouth and we'll go with that. We'll call it the Mandible Claw. Claw. (laughs) Exactly. And then Mr. Sacco, but. 
Oh, right. but yeah, <laughs> and to watch Fritz put it on somebody too. It was so strange because it's just like out of nowhere, he would just reach over and grab their head. Bam. But it wasn't just the grabbing of the head, the claw, the mm. best part of that move. And the best part that I think Fritz was, I think better than Baron Von Raschke with is the wrist grab of the hold. So oh, you yeah, put yeah, your oh, hand yeah, yeah. on the guy's forehead and cover his eyes with the palm of your hand, but it's that wrist grab and that twisting of your elbow up to kind of mm-hmm. show the audience just how much Torque pressure you're putting, you're on, putting it, yeah. on that cranium that you're about to crack his skull if he doesn't <laughs> right. submit. Oh, it's oh. unbelievably cool. I used to do that move to mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. I could get my hands on when I was like eight <laughs> years old, man. I would just, the claw, just ah. I would do it to my mother. I oh, mean, it was- geez. <laughs> I was so obsessed with that move. It was the best move for a young kid because you couldn't hurt anybody with no, it. No. I mean, you could poke them in the eye accidentally, maybe, but it's such a great move. God, I can't believe I forgot about the claw. And each one of them had their own kind of finisher. You know, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like a family tradition that you go to the Iron Claw. Well, that was, that was a Fritz but thing. But they did all use it. They did use they, it. Yeah. But eventually, you know, because I know that, you know, different ones develop different things. But, you know, that was a Fritz thing. Nobody mm. did it like Fritz. No. And he he put that thing on you and you would just, and you're right, where you would grab his wrist and throw that elbow up and just kind of almost push them down at the same time. Yeah. It was the ultimate for a bad guy wrestler to pull it off. It would have been stellar for well, a it's not a rest- good guy move. No, it's not. No. It's far from it. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, Baron Von Raschke doing it, it. It was good. Fritz was so much better at it, though. Oh, yeah. There are some moves. There are some finishers that you can put good or bad. The sleeper. That yes. could go either right. way. Yeah. Right. But the claw, that's absolutely an evil guy move. Oh, yeah. That's like, yeah, I'm going to yeah, crush yeah. your temples. <laughs> Yeah, it's an immobilizer, you know. It's it's kind of like uh oh gosh, what was the full Nelson moves that gets used so often? Right. That's it's the whole look how strong I am, look how powerful I am. I'm going to overpower you and make it's you the submit. domination. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a domination move. And you know, who does a domination move better than a heel? So Exactly. I mean, nobody does a domination of this time period better than the Von Erichs, really. Yeah, right. I oh mean, God, yes. We, you know, their accomplishments, Aaron, thank you so much for all the research. Yeah. I didn't remember that they had New Japan pro wrestling titles. I didn't either. I didn't re- realize really that they were in the AWA for any length of time. I I want to say it was only one or two. It wasn't the whole family. I remember still, them in the AWA, but I mean, it was that's only how prominent them. their family was. You have to understand in the territory system for the listeners out there, your family has to be well-respected to be invited to go to another territory when you own a territory. Yeah, that right. almost doesn't happen ever. Like, well, who owned a territory that went to another territory and won titles? Yeah. No kidding. Right. No right. kidding. Because you know that they're just going to take it back home with them. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's and for Fritz to allow them to to come into his territory, not mm-hmm. only that, but to transition into places like NWA, AWA, even into WWF, because if I'm not mistaken, WCCW was still in some form of fashion when they came in. Fritz had already passed by that point, but it was still something that they were trying to keep active because he was, yeah. you know, they came in very, very early in WWF. Well, for sure. I mean, they came in. I, I remember a tag team of the Von Erichs in WWF early on for yeah. a little short stint. And then, of course, Texas Tornado, Kerry, you yep. know, that's the one that probably the that he was, people you know? remember. <laughs> yeah. um, we've talked an awful lot about who were members of the Von Erichs. We've talked about their accomplishments. It's time now to get into the main part and the main topic of this podcast, and that's the curse. And I'm going to make Aaron cry in the <laughs> very next segment. <laughs> 
this Friday night, August the 4th, 8 o'clock, the waiting is over. It's the showdown between Eric Embry and P.Y. Chuhai. The showdown between the USWA and World Class Championship Wrestling. Inside the steel cage, there must and will be a winner. Pringle and Tojo at ringside. If Eric wins, World Class is gone. Akbar's control is over and the USWA begins. If P.Y. wins, it stays like it's been. Gorgeous Gary Young against Chris Adams also inside the steel cage. Kerry Von Erich against the outer Mongolian Taras Bulba. So we've used the term curse. Well, what is the curse? And in this case, it probably is more apt than in any other case. You know, you hear about the curse of a haunted house or the curse of some sports team not winning a title or some other shit like that. Those aren't curses. Those are just poor happenstances or, you know, things that are sad, but they're not life altering or changing. The Von Erich curse is life altering in both a literal and figurative sense. And absolutely. Aaron, I know you had a tough time when you were putting all of these terrible tragedies into our Trello card for this podcast. He's getting choked up now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, uh, Barry, I need to correct you in the last segment. You said that uh, Fritz had passed um, pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, He actually was one of the last ones to go. Oh, okay. Uh, He passed in 97 from lung cancer. Oh, wow. 97. That's way after the other things that I know happened to- I mean, in all the fairness, sons. there were a lot of Von Erics that passed away. So, <laughs> well, this, this and that's true, really true. what the curse is about, right? The curse yeah. is mainly about the tragic deaths of the Von Erich family. Yeah. Right. I'll start with the first son, uh, yeah. Jack Jr. Mm-hmm. He was. He was like five, maybe six, and he was uh, standing in like a puddle and got shocked in Niagara Falls. And what? he became unconscious. He fell and basically drowned in a puddle. Whoa. That's the real life, real happening version of how they, you know, the thing you can die, drown in three inches of water. Well, there's the example. Exactly. Wow. And so he was born in 52. Right. Died in 59. Right. So, so six, six years seven, old, like seven, yeah. somewhere in that age. That's just, wow. As a father, I, I, you know, I don't even know. I know, Aaron, I believe you have children. I do. Right. Uh, Barry, you have kids? Yes. So we all three are fathers. I don't think any one of us want to spend a whole lot of time dwelling how this would make us feel if it was our child. I, I don't even want to think I, about it, to be right. honest. Right. I mean, that's just, and especially Terrible. it's such an odd way, you know, just, I don't know that there would ever be any way that wouldn't be oh, no, no, for no, no, you no, to lose no. a child, just, but yeah. you're right. This would even be more of a bewildering. So this is a right. raise your hand to the sky and go, God, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just, and and such a young age on that. That's just mind blowing. Well, he, unfortunately, because of the curse, as we're talking about, Fritz died of lung cancer. The eldest son dies drowning in a puddle. Right. Uh, He's not the only one though, is he, Aaron? Uh, no, no. Son David. Um, yeah. Okay. When was David born? Well, he was born in uh, in 58. Okay. Uh, he ended up dying in 84. Okay. Um, so he was, okay. uh, he was older, but that's still not even 30 years old. Right. 20, 26? 6, 27. Wow. Um, and there's, there's different theories about how he passed away. Uh, some say it was a drug overdose. Uh, some say it was a heart attack. But the most widely believed theory is that it was a ruptured intestines from acute enteritis. Oh, God. 
Oh, okay. Oof. Well, I have diverticula, so I have I have bouts of diverticulitis. I know what enteritis is because I've had to learn about it. Let me tell you, if that's how that man died, there's very few more painful I was just ways thinking to that die same because thing. the bad thing about any type of uh, cancer or an itis in the stomach or any of those things is you can't do anything to subside the misery. Right. You're just in the pain the whole time. It's awful. Oh, jeez. To make matters worse, uh, he had a daughter. Uh, David had a daughter, Natasha. Okay. And she actually died in 78 from SIDS when she was, I think, 12 or 13 weeks old. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. So I knew the manners of the son's death. Now you're throwing grandchild to Fritz. 13-week-old grandchild. You know, I don't want to do this podcast anymore. (laughs) This is, wow. What the hell did you pick this topic for? Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. We're going to need therapy after this. (laughs) Okay, let's just list these damn things off and get out of this shit. Holy hell. 13 weeks old SIDS? What what year did you say that was? That was Uh, 78? 78. That's when they were... They didn't even know what the hell SIDS was back then, did they? Nope. Nope. Good Lord. Uh, Then there was Mike. Uh, He was born in 364. Okay. Uh, He ended up dying in 87 from suicide, which unfortunately is... Yeah. uh, A lot of them ended up passing from suicide, and he took a uh, overdose of sleeping pills. God. Well, and that's so the curse, as most people who don't do the exhaustive research that Aaron has done, unfortunately, mm. on the subject, the curse is generally associated with the suicides of yeah, the Von Erics. Right. And Mike being the first of those in 87, it's hard to explain just how impactful his suicide was because wrestlers at this era didn't die young. No, no. This no, was before a lot of the steroid drug stuff that started really getting prominent. And I know this, he committed suicide in the late eighties, but you didn't have that kind of stuff really starting to come about until the super late eighties, like 89 or early nineties. That's when the guys would just drop dead in the hotel room out of nowhere. Right. People would find them in the mid nineties and stuff. That wasn't a real widely publicized thing in professional wrestling for this guy to commit suicide though. Suicide was not even a real thing. Thing in no. professional wrestling right. for a long time, except for these poor Von Erichs. Well, or if it was, you never heard of it. Nobody mm, talked right. about it. It didn't exist. Yeah. This was really the first one that I can remember that was really visible that you heard people talking about. Wow. I'm almost afraid to ask, Aaron. I mean, he was the first, but he wasn't the last. Right. Um, Chris, uh, he was born in 69 and he uh, ended up committing suicide in 91. Good um, Lord. That's so four years. Four yeah. years after his brother. Yeah. And he ended up shooting himself. Jesus. He also had a bunch of different health problems. Uh, he had asthma and uh, he was taking uh, some medication to treat the asthma. But okay. one of the side effects of that uh, of that medication was it made his bones brittle. So he would oh. break bones and stuff in the ring and couldn't you know, be a successful uh, professional wrestler. And he felt a lot of guilt and kind of like he was leaving. Mm. Um, oh, God letting the family down and he ended up shooting himself. Yeah. I remember when they first announced Chris had, had shot himself and I was just like, okay, there was always that talk about, you know, did he never really recover after Mike had committed suicide? You know, was it a mental issue that went through? It's, 
funny that we're bringing all this, well, funny is the wrong word, but interesting that we're bringing all this stuff up because part of the reason why they started to do, um, I found this out, the research on the the head traumas and the concussions and stuff like that. Uh, Chris Masterpiece or whatever his name was. I can't Chris remember. Chris Masters. Masters, yeah. yes. Masters, yeah. The um, Masterpiece Chris Masters, right? Yes, thank you. He started uh, the organization to do the research on it. Part of the reason why he started this was because of the Von Erichs. Yeah. And because all of them had such trauma to their bodies, they they were doing research on them to try to find out, did that lead to their demise and the way that they chose to to take their own lives? Um, But yeah, wow. All right. I know there's one more. I know you know, I, we're talking about Chris Masters. I just want to set the record straight. Mm-hmm. It's not Chris Masters. Oh, no. That's the name oh, he went by in the ring. No, no. It's not that guy. It was Chris. Um, It was a different Chris. Chris Masters, the masterpiece, mm-hmm. is the guy who did the bodybuilding moves and everything. This was the guy yeah. who was a Division One perf- uh, amateur wrestler. Oh, Chris, okay. Um, okay. Oh, goodness. I can't remember his last name, but I... Um, I thought it was Masters, but I could be wrong. I just... I remember seeing him on the, the Beyond the Ring episode about... Uh, um, Chris Benoit, where they were talking about all the research on that was going on on that. And I did a little bit more digging and he said that part of the reason he Chris started- Chris Nowinski. Nowinski. Thank you. Yes. I knew it was one of the Chris's. Yeah. I had to go look it up real quick for the listeners because it's an important <laughs> subject. No, it is. And it is. the Nowinski Institute is the one who has led the charge, not just in professional wrestling, but the NFL yeah. and a lot of other places doing dramatic research and marked uh, papers that people use today to protect professional athletes of all types. Yeah. And I just, I remember doing some digging after I saw that episode and he said that one of the the biggest starts to this process was the Von Erichs. Yeah. All right. Bring up the last one. This is the one that hit me the hardest personally. So me too. There's Carrie born in 60, uh, committed suicide by gunshot in 93. The second gunshot two years later. Yeah. He actually was involved in a uh, really serious uh, motorcycle accident. I remember uh, that. Quite a few mm-hmm. years before. Uh, almost lost his life then. But he ended up uh, recovering, returned to uh, to in reaction a little too quickly, and uh, his foot became gangrenous and they had to cut it off. Oh, yes. God. So for many, many years, he actually wrestled with a prosthetic foot. Really? Right. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. But it wasn't made public knowledge yeah. until uh, a couple of years after his death. It's it's important to bring up both of the last two that we've talked about, the two gentlemen who committed uh, suicide by gunshot, both Chris and Kerry. So you're talking about young men who grew up with identities as professional wrestlers, arguably mm. some of the greatest athletes on the planet. And Chris had problems with not only asthma, but the medication causing his bones to be brittle, which basically made it virtually impossible for him to have a normal, quote unquote, professional wrestling career. You know, what's the one thing if you've got brittle bones that you can't do? Well, you can't let somebody put you in an arm bar, right? <laughs> right. Because your arm's going to snap. Right. And then you, Carrie, a simple bump. I mean. Yeah. You know, Carrie, arguably one of the most powerful of the Von Erichs and still did the high flying and the ring rope running and everything all in bare feet. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That was a Von Erich trademark, wrestling in bare feet. The barefoot wrestling, right? And he has 
a tragic motorcycle accident that looks like it's going to take his career. He tries to come back because he's so driven to be a professional wrestler because of his family's history. And then his foot has to be removed because of that decision. You know, it's no wonder that these suicides didn't happen. And the part they kind of, uh, I get choked up about is um, uh, bef- shortly before his suicide, when he was with, in the WWF, uh, he was talking with Bret Hart and said that, you know, he missed his brothers, that he was, mm. that his brothers were calling to him. He said, you know, I used to have five brothers and now I'm not even a brother. Yeah. Wow. And if anybody can identify with that sentiment, Bret Hart, yeah, right? Right. I mean, endured his own tragedies. Uh, fortunately, that we're not going to have to go into here because I can see the looks on Barry and Aaron's faces. Normally, these guys are chipper and laughing and cutting up and cutting me down. And yeah, that's all this... a part of our podcast with, that we like. But this is a serious topic. This has got a lot of right. heavy weight to it. And um, when people talk about their heroes, mm-hmm. right? Professional wrestling for a lot of us young men growing up in the 70s and 80s was just as much of about hero worship as it was anything else. I looked at these guys the same way I looked at Superman or Batman. Right. Oh, yeah. They were real-life embodiments of superstars and super professional. Like, I saw them as having superpowers when I was a little kid. I mean, they could do things physically that never entered my mind. And especially people like the Von Eriks, who embodied that whole aesthetic of being these Greek gods in spandex. You know, I know it's... It's an interesting way to put it, but yeah, (laughs) it might be cliche, but when I was a young kid, that's, I I saw them as being more than regular people. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I mean, especially these, this family who honestly, they personified what a face was supposed to be. Right. You know, and that's, that's the whole thing is that's, you know, when, when people gravitate towards wrestling, Nine times out of 10, the first thing they gravitate towards are the faces. Yep. And if they're seen the way that they're, you know, that that's what they want to emulate. That's what they want to be. And to watch all of the, you know, not all, nearly all of this entire family just fall to any number of different things, it it humanizes that and it it really just kind of makes it that much more difficult to to recognize. Now, to be fair, this was not their only legacy. There was a lot of good things that people remember about the Von Erics. There's a right. lot of good things that are still going on with the Von Erics. But you know, this we, we would be remiss if we did not address the elephant in the room when you say the Von Erics, you have to talk about the Von Erich curse. So well, and I halfway joked about it but was serious earlier when let's just get through this and yeah. move on to the good stuff. You brought up the word legacy, Barry, and that's yeah. exactly what we're going to talk about in the next segment. Welcome to the Sam Houston Coliseum, a jam-packed Coliseum as the fans here start to settle down for a super night of action that's about to take place. This is the first match of the evening and also the first match of your television action. Okay, everybody can take a breath. We're done with the bad part. We need a I hug. Mean, we all need a hug. We need hugs. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't like Barney, but he could be welcomed at my house right now. At this oh, point. Yeah. listener, Holy give hell. us hugs. We need yeah. hugs. Yeah. Yes. And money, but hugs. The legacy of the Von Erichs, it's not just the curse. It's a tradition of excellence in professional wrestling. Oh, absolutely. They started Definitely. and maintained their own promotion for decades They had their own facility. They had championships all over the world. Uh, Kevin, who we mentioned at the start of the podcast, the second oldest son, he is still a survivor of the brothers. Now, I know 
Aaron, you mentioned that uh, Kerry felt like he wasn't even a brother at that point. Obviously, Kevin was still there. I think Kerry's frame of mind when he makes a statement like that is just, you know, how do you deal with the tragic losses there? Very, very dark place. Yeah, very dark place. And not just the losses of his brother, but his own personal losses, right? Right, yeah. Um, But so Kevin, he accepted a WWE Hall of Fame induction for the entire family in 2009. Now, you want to talk about a legacy? Mm. To get Vince McMahon Jr. to recognize (laughs) another promoter and put that group into his Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Holy hell, that's unheard of. Well, and to do not just one person, but the entire, the entire family. Right? family. I oh, mean, well, name another promoter that he's put in his WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, the Ghani is, I think. He, uh, yeah, uh, I think Ghani okay, is the only other one. He yeah. had to do that because he owed him money. I'm telling <laughs> you. <laughs> You're not wrong, sir. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's, but not just as a promoter, but they, they put them in as performers. They put them in as a family Mm -hmm. and went, and I actually watched that, that uh, particular hall of fame induction. And it was really well done because it showed each and every one of the brothers as well as Fritz yeah, showing their in-ring work. And I mean, that's really the first time that I can remember seeing kind of that nice little snapshot of what the Von Erichs meant, not just to wrestling, but to actual in-ring performance. And in, yeah. in 2009, a lot of the uh, a lot of the fans of the WWE now, um, they might not know. They yeah. might oh. not, might not have that ex- not have that experience with yeah. the Von Erichs, or even you know Texas Tornado uh, with uh, Kerry and his uh, WWF yeah. run. I mean, because as wonderful as that run for Kerry was, it wasn't lauded or heralded for decades after. Yeah, right. So the modern wrestling fan who comes into wrestling in the 90s or 2000s, they might not know anything. You're right, especially with the way WWF promotes certain storylines and certain people. Yeah. Well, it's kind of uh, like what I said at the beginning, you know, tons of people have heard of the Von Erich curse, but not as many have heard of the Von Erichs, right? Yeah. you know, so they didn't know that story. So yeah, to, I mean, to, to your point, Aaron, I think this was a good way for them to reintroduce what the Von Erichs were, not just what happened to them. Right. Well, the next one that I want to talk about, and this is, I don't, I'm not going to say that she is the most successful of the grandchildren, but she's the one she that is. I watched the most <laughs> and that's Lacey Von Erich. So oh, yeah. I was watching her in TNA yep. when she first right. came on the scene. And my first reaction when I saw her was like, oh shit, here we go. Here is somebody who's trying to glom on to a family legacy mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. no real right to do so because she hasn't paid her dues. She's using the Von Erich name to put herself over in an organization that has at that time had some tremendous female wrestling talent. Oh my oh, yeah. God. Right. I oh, loved yeah. the TNA the female wrestling division better than any other division in almost any organization at that point. Yeah. But good Lord, did she hold her own? Holy yeah, hell, yeah. She was, was I wrong? Great. She got skills. Absolutely. Had paid her dues that I had not heard about. Yeah, absolutely. She was the uh, the daughter of of Carrie, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess she, I think she held the uh, uh, knockout tag titles. She for did for a short period. She only wrestled for about three or four years. Well, that's the thing. I mean, she had a short career yeah. and maybe not everybody's going to remember it, except for the fact that her last name is Von Eric. But I'm telling you, some of her matches, some of the stuff she did in TNA, it was oh. unbelievably good. It was really, really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. And I read somewhere she originally uh, signed uh, with Vince McMahon uh, hmm. that she he uh, flew her out to one of their shows. She was in the locker room and she said that she she, she cried 
it was uh, reminded her of when she was with uh, with her dad, mm. um, and you know the smell of Ben Gay and people taping up their, their <laughs> wrists and stuff like that. It's just and she signed immediately yeah. thereafter, but ended up going to TNA. Well, the, she's not the only one though, right? I mean, you've got Ross and Marshall; they're uh, sons of Kevin, right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're uh, out in what yep. uh, is it? Major League Wrestling. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is that yeah, they're where they're with, at now? Because they were yes. in Pro Wrestling Noah okay. for a little while. Right. And then they went to uh, Imperial Wrestling Revolution. Wow. This is for all of our fans of indie wrestling here. Yeah. They, they probably know these better than we do. So. Isn't it so interesting that it's called indie wrestling when it's really just going back to territory wrestling? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And I think they, they um, wrestled with TNA briefly, maybe one or two matches. I'm glad you said that because I thought I remembered them in TNA at one point in time, but I wasn't 100% sure. And to be honest, I'm lazy and didn't go look it up. So, <laughs> well, uh, and honestly, <laughs> it's sometimes hard to remember what happened in TNA wrestling because yeah. so much went crazy. <laughs> yeah. But there is one thing that's coming up that I am super excited about, boys. Have you heard about Iron Claw? No, no. I saw this in the list yes. and I'm like, ooh, yes. this looks fun and I've scary seen pictures, and sad. So, that's it. so um, they are actually doing a movie about the Von Eric. And I've seen some of the stills from it. Zach Efron is supposed to be playing Carrie and boy is ripped. Boy looks like Carrie Von Eric. I mean, it's scary. <laughs> so Zach Efron, he's usually, you know, he's in shape in a lot of his films. Yeah, he's this is not different. Carrie. This is I different. I really I mean, only know him in uh, from Firefly. Yes. That one episode when he was a kid. When he played young Simon Tam, right? Yeah. And he, uh, <laughs> well, and he was in some other shows and movies and stuff. I mean, I'm not exactly the biggest Zach Efron fan. However, comma, I want to see him in this. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. And there is another rumor that said that a certain someone else from AEW has a role in this as well. It's believed that MJF is playing one of the brothers. Okay. Now, I've heard tell of different ones, so I I, I can't confirm either way. But if that is true, I'm excited about a that. A professional wrestler portraying a professional wrestler, I'm okay with. And I'm okay with an actor portraying a professional wrestler as well. Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. Oh, oh yeah. Phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. unbelievable. But Zach Afron as Carrie bullshit on that. I don't care what the pictures look like. He's not Carrie. He's five foot one. I am not going to pass judgment until I see what it looks like. I'm not passing judgment. I'm passing a tape measure. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. You're not wrong. But yeah, when I heard about Iron Claw, I was like, okay, this looks good. This looks really interesting. And it's about damn time. They actually did some yeah. kind of a nod to the Von Erics. And I just, I hope and pray that they do it well. So, so and, do I, you know, just do it the, the justice that it deserves. Yeah, I don't watch a whole lot of movies, especially in the theater. Um, but I told my fiance, I was like, look, this is we're going to yeah. watch this it's one. The absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're watching this one. I'm going, you're going, we're going to make a day of it. So the Zach Afron thing is what sold my wife on. And I was like, we're, we're going to go see this movie when it comes out. And she's like, I, I'm not, I'm not big. I was like, you get to see Zach Efron topless. She's like, I'm in. <laughs> I just, I just told my fiance, I put her in an arm bar. And she's fine. <laughs> Well, Aaron, I will say that I'm kind of glad you put us in an arm bar to make us do this episode. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of this topic just because I knew how it was going to make me feel. And it absolutely yeah. um, brought me to tears at times, choked me up and also made me laugh and smile, which is testament to the Von Eriks themselves. Yes. 100%. 
I agree. They endured a horrible tragedy. And I don't believe in curses, but that family got the raw end of the stick way more right. than any family should. Agreed. Um, but they brought us so much joy in the short times that they performed for us that you're right, Aaron, there's no way we could have done season one without talking about the Von Erics. Yeah. I don't and, even and- want to call it the Von Erich curse, even though that we're going to label it that just for the search engines. But it was more about, for me, uplifting a family legacy that deserves to be right. recognized right. and celebrated like this new movie hopefully will do. Yeah. Right. Now you want to talk about celebration, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> baby. We're going to celebrate my man in the next episode. We're going to talk all about the promos of Dusty the Plumber's Son Rhodes. The Mac and Dream. <laughs> <laughs> in next week's episode. Barry, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. And I cannot promise that next week's episode will not have the word clubbering in it. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Aaron. Always a pleasure to have you here. You know, this is a tough one, but happy to be here. Fourth listener, we thank you for being here most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Before the days of internet and in YouTube, you, we was after booing Bobby Heenan and Rick Rude, and Jake would be the break. Our theme song is courtesy of nerdcore hip-hop artist Beefy. Explore his work at beefiness.com. Turnbuckles and Territories is a production of Gen X Grown Up and a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.